Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning or evening if you're watching this at 6 o'clock online. We're thankful that you're here with us, whether you're online or whether you're here in person. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside, and uh, it's been good this last few weeks to kind of reconnect with a lot of people after the holidays. I hope that you've had a good week. Uh, we're, we're in part two of a, a series we started uh, called I'm In, and so we're going to dive into that over the next few weeks. And then on the 31st, you probably knew, know this if you've been with us a little while, on the 31st is a real special day in our church because we're going to celebrate our second birthday and so we all absolutely we always look for ways and excuses to eat cake and any really eat anything at our church. And so we'll have some food. It's going to be a special day. Uh, and so uh, plan on being back. We're actually going to do a little bit on the 24th and then a little bit on the 31st for our birthday. Uh, but it's going to be a good rest of the month. And we've got some surprises coming uh, that I think you'll be excited about. Some of you may know, uh, you that are watching online or that are here uh, with us this morning, uh, if you know me, and we've, I know a lot of you, you may know that I grew up in the South. Uh, Lori and I, we moved here with our family from Florida, and I know some people don't consider Florida the South, it's kind of like its own thing, and then you have the South, but I kind of grew up in the South, and one of the things that you would notice real quickly, uh, if you were to go visit my parents or my brothers who still live in Georgia and Alabama, is you find out in the South that there's some things that are really important to people in that area. And uh, one of those things is that's like the king of, especially during this time of year, or actually in the fall, is something that's called college football. And uh, I know, I know, Alex, you're, I know you're an Auburn fan, I know it's a rough year for you this year, but uh, I'm a Gator fan, rough year for us, but... Uh, but college football in the South, they, they cheer for professional teams, but they are passionate about college teams. And so, man, if you were in the South, you'd see that they, they take college football really seriously. I mean, you, you, you drive down the road during the fall, and you're going to see cars decked out with flags of their different teams. Uh, you're going to see hundreds of thousands of people that set their Saturday aside, and they have their grill out. They go to the parking lot of the football game, whether they even go in the game or not, and they just want to be close to it. They just want to hear the cheers, and I mean, it is a huge deal. And in the South, one of the teams that has been probably by far the most dominant, and this kind of hurts me to say because it's not been my team, over the past uh, several years, since about 2008, the team that's been by far the best college football team in the South and then literally all over the nation is the, the school Alabama, Alabama Crimson Tide. My, I know, I know, there's always one that needs Jesus in the crowd. Uh, no, my brother, my brother lives in Birmingham, and he, he's a 
diehard uh, Alabama fan, but, but Alabama Crimson Tide, and some of you, like my wife, you're like, just get on to the Bible, because I don't care about this stuff. Uh, but Alabama Crimson Tide, over the last several years, since 2008, they have been in the top 10 in the nation every single year. And in those years, they've won the national championship six times, which is unheard of really in any sport. I mean, they have been so dominant over the past decade or two. And what makes Alabama so special is several things, as hard as this is for me to say, but what makes them so special is their athletes understand that each of them has a role and their coach has done such a good job that no matter what role you play on the team, your role is vital and important for them to reach their goal. And so they, from the very beginning of their spring football, they, they begin to, to train and they begin to build a culture where you don't have a lot of prima donnas, you don't have a lot of uh, people out there being crazy on their own. Everybody knows they have a spot and their spot is important, whether that's a spot that's in the, the, the kind of the spotlight or if it's a behind the scenes role, they all know that their role is important and their role is vital to the team winning. And so what's interesting is you'll have some of the greatest high school football players in the country that will pass up going to other schools where they would be the star the very first year, and they will go to Alabama and play kind of behind the scenes for a couple years just so they can be a part of what's so special at that school. And if you've ever played sports, you understand what it's like probably to be on a team where you have one or two people that want to always be in the spotlight, and maybe they are great athletes, and maybe they are really special and very talented, but, but you've been in, on teams where, man, the, the team doesn't do really good because the one athlete wants to be the show, and so, man, maybe they're the show, but you just don't end up doing real well. But then you've probably been on other teams, and you've experienced how special it is when Everybody on the team, no matter where they play, no matter what position, no matter if it's first string, second string, they understand their role is vital and they do their very best so that they can reach their goal. And it's, it's special when you see it on the athletic field. But, but I want you to think about this, whether you grew up in church or maybe you're somebody that is kind of coming back to church or maybe you're somebody that's even investigating faith. What do you think the church would be like if it was like a team? If it was like one of these special teams like Alabama or maybe a team that you grew up playing on where, man, everybody on the team knew their role and everybody on the team worked hard at playing their role strong. And because of that, just imagine what the outcome could be. See, see, even in the, the church world, and some of you probably walked away from the church because of this, you, you see churches where, man, people want to be stars and, and people want to be first, and, and you have maybe two or three people that are really killing it, but then you have a lot of other people that are, that are not involved, and it's just maybe one or two people that wants to be the spotlight. But imagine what it might be like if everybody on the team understood how valuable they are and played their role with passion, with patience, 
And they did it with all their heart. Imagine what what a church could be like. Whether you even like church or not, whether you grew up in church or not, just imagine what a church might be like if that was the way it was. See, for, for probably a lot of us, if we're honest, you probably think, if we're honest, that, you know what, if I wasn't here, it wouldn't really matter. You, you may not have said that out loud, whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, but, but you've probably, at some point, you're, you thought, man, if I didn't show up, if I didn't play a part, it, it would just keep going, it wouldn't matter. And I think that's one of the lies that, that the enemy tries to tell us is, hey, yeah, there's a few people that matter in the church, but man, I really don't matter. And if I show up, it, it's cool. If I don't, man, nobody's going to really miss me. And, and here's what I want to talk about today. I want you to consider something that maybe you've never considered. And here's what I want you to consider. I want you to consider that you are invaluable to God's work. That, that word invaluable means valuable beyond estimation. That, that you, not, not the person that sings, not the person that preaches, but every single person, whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, every single one of us is valuable beyond estimation to God's work. Maybe another way to say it is this. God chose and gifted you to play an important role in his work on earth. Let me say that again. God chose and gifted you to play an important role in his work on earth. Probably nobody understood this better than a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul. And whether you grew up in church or not, you, you probably heard of this guy, Paul. Paul was a guy that, that early on in his life, in fact, his name changed from Saul to Paul, but, but early on in his life, he was actually on the other team. He was actually the guy that was doing everything within his power to stop the movement of Jesus. I mean, he, he put people in jail. He, he was a part of seeing people that followed Jesus killed. I mean, he didn't care. He was doing everything he could to stop the movement of Jesus. That's what he made his life. But then as he was actually on his way to do the very same thing, he was on his way to a city called Damascus, and he was on his way to continue to put people in jail, continue to work hard to stop the movement of Jesus. Jesus stopped him right in his tracks, and everything changed for Paul when he met Jesus. See, when Paul met Jesus, he went from being the greatest opponent of the movement of Jesus, to now playing a role where he was the guy that expanded the movement of Jesus more than anybody else in the early church. He did crazy stuff as he played his role. And he wrote this letter, he wrote a lot of letters, and he wrote this letter to a church in the city of Corinth. And if you know anything about history, you know that Corinth was a really important city. It was a cultural center for that, that day and age. It was an important city, and Paul had helped start a church there, and so he was writing a little letter. They didn't have email. They couldn't text each other, so you had to, like, old school, write a letter, and like three, four, five weeks later or two months later, they would get it. And so he was writing this letter, and, and he uses this illustration of a body, a physical body, to show the church at Corinth how important and valuable each of them is to God's work. 
And so if you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen, or it's in the app, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as Paul, this is a letter that he wrote to a church in Corinth. And in verse 12, it says this. It says, For just as the body is one, and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. So, okay, this is like 101. You learn this in science. He says, basically, he says, hey, the body's made up of a lot of parts. Okay, thank you, Paul. We know that. The body's made up of all these different parts, and the body, without even thinking about it, works together to accomplish things. So some of you, you at the beginning of this new year, you said, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, you said, you know, I'm getting a little better shape. And so you, you decided, man, I'm going to start to do some exercise. So maybe you said, all right, I'm going to start to do 50 push-ups or maybe work to 50 push-ups a day. And that was kind of your thing. And, and so you, you got down on that, on that, you know, January 1st, you're starting. And, and I doubt when you started to do your push-ups or when you started to get ready that you had to sit down and say, hey, shoulders, are you in? Are you into this? You good? Triceps, you cool? You, you going to participate too? Wrist, all right, you, you going to work with us? Hands, you good? Everybody, everybody going to work? Don't, don't, chest, you're important at this. Like, you don't, if you don't work, we ain't doing this. It, you didn't have to sit down with every body part and say, hey, hey, let's make sure everybody's in. Is everybody going to work together the way they're supposed to so we can do push-ups? No, you didn't even think about that because although you have all these different body parts, they work together seamlessly without thinking. That's just what they do. And Paul says that's exactly what, if you're a follower of Christ, that's what you're a part of spiritually. You're a part of a spiritual body that has many parts and works together in unity. Then he goes on and he says, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. He's simply saying, hey, you've been, you've been, if you follow Jesus, you've been placed in this body, whether you like it or not. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. The body of Christ, just like a physical body, is made up of a lot of parts. He, he mentions it. You got Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, different cultures, different gift mixes, different places they're from, of all these different people that are put in one spiritual body, just like a physical body has all these different parts, but is a part of a body and it works together. And then he, then he says this, he kind of gets kind of funny and he kind of like says some duh things and then he almost sarcastic. He says this, in verse 15, he says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. Basically saying, hey, if your foot says, hey, well, I can't be a hand, I'm not going to be part of the body. Well, sorry, foot, you're still part of the body, whether you like it or not. Whether you like the part you play or not, whether you like the way you look or not, you're part of the body. If the eye looks at the ear and says, well, I, I can't hear, well, sorry, you're an eye. And, and you can get upset and you can fight it out with the ear, but at the end of the day, you're still part of the body. And at the end of the day, you're the eye and you're the ear. Sorry. 
And, and so Paul, he, he kind of walks him through this because I'm guessing that just like 2,000 years later, there was a lot of insecure Christians in the church. And I know maybe I'm the only insecure person in the room, but I'm going to guess that there's a few of you that look at other people and say, well, man, I can't do it like he can do it. Or man, I don't have the gift that she has. Well, man, if I, if, if, if I could do what they do and I had the gifts they have, well, yeah, then I'd, then I'd be active in the body. But, but man, I don't have what, what they have or I, I can't do what they do or I haven't been experienced or gifted in the way they're experienced or gifted. And so, man, I'm not going to be part of the body. And Paul's saying, sorry, if you are a follower of Jesus, you were put in the body. Whether you like the part you play or not. You were put in the body. You can take that up with God later. And then he goes on and he says this, kind of continuing to be a little sarcastic. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, Where would the body be? I mean, God in his wisdom put the physical body together just the way he did. You realize that if God wanted us to have seven arms, we'd look weird, but we could have seven arms. But in God's brains and in his thought process, he said, you know what? I'm going to give them two arms. I'm going to give them a couple hands. They need two feet, they need two eyes, they need one nose and one mouth because I need them to talk less than they listen. And so he, he, he put all that together the way he wanted to. I mean, bottom line, if, we, if, every, if, you only, if every body part was an eye, it would just be weird. Or I mean, if we were like a bunch of feet everywhere, it would just get real weird real quick. We would maybe make a sci-fi movie, but it'd just be weird because God put this thing together physically and spiritually just the way he wanted to for the good of the body. And he's smarter than us. And he goes on in verse 20, he says, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. Basically, you're saying, you you know what? You're you're sitting in your little church in Corinth, and you're looking over at Sam, and you're saying, you know what? We don't need Sam on this team. I mean, y'all need me on the team, of course, because you know what I do and what I bring to the body. But you know what? If we could do without Sam, in fact, we'll trade Sam and Sarah for Bob. Can we, can we make that trade with the church down the road? Because we'll, we'll do that. We'll even throw in a second round draft pick. And, and let's see if we can get that. No, no, no. Everybody, you, you can't look at other parts of the body and get proud and say, you know what? Yeah, we need me and, and I'm important. But those people, they're a little less significant. The part they play isn't as big of a deal. And basically what Paul's saying here is some of the parts of the body that you think are not not important or, or not not a big deal. Those are actually some of the most important parts. If you've ever and, and I had a friend when I was growing up that uh, his dad had to get surgery and had to get his big toe taken off. And so you think and I, and this is what I was like a teenager. I'm like all right, big toe. Like if you get your leg taken off or your arm, like yeah, I get that. That's a pretty big deal. But 
Big toe. I mean, most people, you're not even going to know that. Like, you can cover it up with a shoe. How, how important is a big toe? And then I watched him as he was literally not able to walk straight. And this is a grown man, a strong grown man, that I watched literally fall all over his front yard because he couldn't walk straight because he was trying to get used to not having a big toe. And I remember as a kid thinking, man, I didn't realize the big toe was that important. Did you know that your pinky, you look at your pinky, you're like, hey, if I was going to have to lose a finger, I could probably get, get lose my pinky. You know, the pinky gives you about 50% of the strength of your whole hand. And so you look at your pinky and like, yeah, how big? I mean, you don't put a ring on that thing. I mean, that's, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, so if, if I had to lose a finger, I, it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. No, your pinky's really important. And for some of you, and you need to hear me say this. And if you're watching online, you need to hear this because you've never thought you were valuable to the body of Christ and the work of God because of the gifts or abilities you've been given. And so you always thought, man, well, yeah, if I could do this or that, and here's what you need to know. And this is what Paul's focus is. He, he wants everyone to know that you are important to the body. You're like, isn't that what you're supposed to say? Because aren't you like paid to say stuff like that? Like, aren't you supposed, are you going to like throw a sign-up sheet for people to sign up at the end to serve? No. But, but you guys need to know this, that you're important because some of you, and even right now, you don't even think I'm talking to you. I'm actually talking to you. You're like, oh yeah, so-and-so, yeah, they need to hear that. No, no, no. You are vital to the body. And, and if you're, and, and you know this even physically, if you decide not to use part of your body, like if you've ever been a little kid that fell out of a tree and, and you broke your leg or you broke your arm and you had to put a cast on it, yeah, you, you put that cast on it because that helps heal that bone and, and that's what the doctor wants you to do, so you do that. But, but you know this, when you take that cast off after you haven't really used that body part for a while, you look and you see, you know what, a lot of the muscles... They're smaller, and you haven't used it. And, and if you continued not to use it, that, that body part would become useless. And, and so if you decide, you know what, I'm not that big of a deal, so I'm not going to be involved in the body, you're actually hurting yourself. But then you also hurt the body because other body parts have to make up for your lack of involvement. And so, for instance, if you're the legs and you decide, you know what, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to get involved. I'm, I'm not that big of a deal, so I'm going to kind of stay out of this thing. Well, could the hands make up for what you don't do and the arms? Yeah, they could, but they're really bad at being legs. And it would be really hard. Yeah, you could walk on it with your hands, but it would be really hard to do it. And so Paul's point to, to this church 2,000 years ago, he wanted them to understand that, you know what? Man, you are a part of a body, just like a physical body, you're a part of a spiritual body if you're a follower of Jesus. And your role, whether you think it's important or not, is vital to the health of that body. And when you decide not to be part of that body, not only are you hurting yourself, but you're hurting the body. And he goes on and he kind of finishes things up 
And he says it this way. He kind of actually gets awkward at the end here. He says this in, in verse 23. He says, And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect. Like, where are you going with this, Paul? Which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. And then he goes on, he finishes up. He says, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Basically, Paul is saying, hey, all, you have all these different parts. Some you think are more important than the others. Some you think are more honorable than the others. Some you even cover up. He says, you know what? In God's economy, some of the ones that you think are the most dishonored are the most honorable to God. Because it's Him. And, and as your body works together to do what it's supposed to do, what it does is it brings unity to the body. It's, nobody's a superstar. Nobody's the one. It's uh, an entire body working together to do what it's supposed to do. And the only person that gets honor is God. It's not like the, the hand's like, hey, I'm the star of the show. No, you're not, because if you didn't have the wrist or the arm, you wouldn't even be alive. Yeah, try it. Just cut the hand off and let him see what he can do by himself. Doesn't get much done. And that's what Paul's point was. And so he, he ends it. He says, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. I mean, have you ever stubbed your toe in the middle of the night? Tell me your whole body doesn't hurt when you stub your toe and you say that word that you know you're not supposed to say. And, and you're, whole, you're like, just a little toe. But man, you're like limping for days. Especially us guys. The girls are a little tougher than us. But we will play that out a long time. Baby, I, I, I'm going to need a couple more ginger ales. And, and maybe if you could bring me some ice cream. Because you know, you know I busted my toe the other night. But, but Paul says, hey, when, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. When one part of the body celebrates, we all celebrate. When one part of the body is broken, we're all broken. When one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice because we're one body. We win together, we lose together, we celebrate together, we cry together. We're one body. And Paul ends it by saying, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And so if you're watching online or maybe you're here this morning, and if there's been a time in your life, and we talked about this last week, where you have said yes to the invitation God gives you to start a relationship with him. If there's been a time in your life when you've done that, then you have been put into God's body, and you are invaluable to God's work. You are valuable just beyond expectation. You're, you're valuable, way more valuable than you even think you are. See, because God chose and gifted you to play an important role in his work on earth. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been chosen and gifted to play an important role, not, not a, hey, you get a JV role and he gets a varsity role. No, every role is important and you've been gifted. You've been chosen to play a role in his work on earth. And, and some of you, you're maybe saying, dude, but I mean, you don't know about my past, about 
failed marriage. You don't know about the, the financial mess up. And you don't know about, man, if you talk to my kids from 20 years ago, I was an awful parent. I mean, you, you, don't, you, don't got, you don't understand my past. I, I get it. You know, people are part of the body and they're all important. But man, if, if you knew my past, like I, I can't be that important to this body. I must be kind of disqualified because of my past. And here's what I would say to you this morning, whether you're online or whether you're here this morning, your past doesn't disqualify you, it prepares you. Because that's what grace is about. God takes the ugly, he takes the ashes, and he turns it into something beautiful for his kingdom. You might be, but man, I okay, the past thing, okay, that's a great answer, I'll think about that, but, but man... You just don't know. I mean, I'm just not super gifted. Like, I get it. You know, I, I see different people around the church and in the body of Christ. That, and I see how they're important to this whole thing. But, but I, I seem pretty insignificant. I mean, if I show up, great. If I don't show up, great. It's not that big of a deal. How would God ever want to use me? And, and here's what's cool. Your doubts, your humility actually puts you in a place where you depend on God, which is exactly where God wants you to be so he can use you most. When, when we think we have it all together and like, man, God got a good deal by me being on the team, we become the least usable. But when we walk into our day and say, you know what, I don't have a lot to offer God today. I, I don't know how you want to use me, but I'm available and I depend on you because I can't do it alone. You actually put yourself in a place where you are the most usable when you're dependent on God. And here's what you, you need to know. God wants to use you. Like, he, he's not wanting to use a more talented version of you, a more mature version of you, or, or you in 10 years. He wants to use you right now. Your story matters. Your gifts matter. Your words matter. Your generosity matters. Your prayers matter. You are invaluable to God's work. You are valuable beyond estimation. And he invites you into a relationship with him. And after you've said yes to that relationship, he places you in this body that he has chosen you to be a part of. He gifts you to do his work. Why did he choose us to do the work? I don't know, but that's what he does. Over here, and, and some of you know, I basically get ginger ale in any message I can with an illustration. Uh, and some, it's funny. Some of you, I'll, I'll come to church and you'll just hand me ginger ale. So I appreciate that. But uh, I want you to imagine this isn't a ginger ale. I want you, and this won't be hard for you to imagine, that we're, I want you to imagine that we're facing a global pandemic. You're like, well, oh, maybe last year that would have been hard to imagine, but that's pretty easy to, to think about. But I, I want you to think that, okay, even, even the one that we're in, this one that I'm talking about is even like a whole nother level. It, it's a global pandemic that is much more deadly. It's much more contagious. It's much more devastating. And, and, and man, it's, it's going to take everybody out. I mean, just I want you to imagine. And then somebody comes to us and says, hey, I've actually got the cure. I've got a cure, and it looks a lot like a ginger ale can. I've got a cure that works 100% of the time, every time. It's not a, it's not a, 
Like a vaccine, I know that's a little shaky with something like some of you. I don't know about all that vaccine. No, this is a cure. It works every time in every instance. So anybody that, that takes a, a drink of the bold ginger ale, done, you're good. If that was the case, and they came to us and they said, all right, church, all we got to do, we got, we got enough right in the back for everybody. We just got to get it to people. Like, as long as we get this to people, it works every time. They'll be fine. They won't die. They'll be safe. You know what we'd do? We, we, we'd put our heads together. We would take all the gifts, the resources, the, the strategies, how God's wired us. Man, we would, some of you that are good at administration, you would administrate it. Some of you that are good at people stuff, you would do the people stuff. Like we would work together and we would get it done. We, we wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't be like, ah, I'm going to sit this one out. No, every single one of us were like, why? why wouldn't we get involved? We have a cure. It works every single time. All we have to do is get it to people. And so we need everybody with every gift mix to use what they have to help get the cure out. We would all do it. Just imagine what a church could accomplish if they took the mission of God as seriously and we're deeply bothered by the fact that people are living without hope and without Jesus, they will spend an eternity without God in a place called hell. Imagine if a church was that, as passionate about getting that out, that cure out, as they were about the pandemic. You know what would happen? People trapped in addiction would find freedom. You know what would happen? Foster children would find a forever home in a loving family. Cities in our region without a life-giving church would have one. Teenagers that are struggling would be provided with a mentor that would help them. Families that have experienced loss would never walk alone if a church said, we're all in. We're going to use all of our gifts, all of our resources. No body part is going to sit on the sideline. We're going to get passionate about this because it's a big deal. That and much, much more would happen. And what's cool is we can do this. Like, we can do this. We can do this if we remember, and everybody, of, every single one of us, whether we're watching online or whether we're here this morning, if every single one of us owned the fact that God has chosen us and equipped us for his body and for his work, if every single one of us would not, oh, I'm sure he's talking to somebody else. No, no, no. Look in the mirror and tell yourself, God chose me. He gifted me with the gifts he wanted me to have, not so I could make my life better, but so I could use them in his kingdom. And here's what happens. It actually makes your life better when you use them for him. What if that happened? See, sometimes, and I get it, I've done this myself. We think, ah, oh, that's true, man. Yeah, I should. And so we kind of wait for a big thing. Like, okay, when the big thing happens, I'll, I'll step in. And we kind of wait for the, and here's what God's saying. What can you do tomorrow? What, what small step can you take that would help you be better part of the body? And, and here's what I tell people, and this is real important that whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, I tell people, man, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not passionate about City Walk and what our mission is, 
Go find another church that you're passionate about their mission so that you can be all in because people need Jesus. And we want to be. So, so what are some of those steps? Well, one step would be real simple. You, you could belong by joining a group. Like small, like is that a step like to be a part of the body? Yeah. You could join a city group. And here's what most of us think. Automatically, if you're, if you're debating whether to join a city group, here's what you're thinking. I don't know if that would be good for me. I don't know. It might be awkward for me. I'd be a little nervous. What if you flipped it on its side and said, hey, maybe God wants me to go to a group so I can encourage somebody else and not think about myself. Maybe that's the reason I need to be in a group. Maybe it's not all about me. Maybe it's actually about, yeah, I'm going to be encouraged and I'm going to grow, but maybe God wants to use me, my gifts, my personality. Maybe he's going to put me in just the group where I'm going to be a lifeline and an encouragement to somebody else. You could belong by joining a group. You could serve by joining a team. I know for, for us, and we have so many people on the team here at City Walk, and man, our team is such an encouragement to each other. You can invest by giving generously. You're like, oh, I knew it, man. It's the first time at church, pastor talking about the money. Either you guys are all the same. No, 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 no. Like I said, don't, don't come here if you're not passionate about it. But man, be part of the body, man. There's, be, be part. I've had two families already talk to me like, hey, we get in this stimulus thing. Like, what can we do to like, be generous with part of what we get in our stimulus? We want to we help reach some people. We want to do something with our money that lasts for eternity. You can own the mission by inviting someone to church. Like, is that being a part of the... Yeah, absolutely. Like, your 30 seconds of courage to invite your neighbor to church might change everything for them. See, here's one thing I'm so proud of our church because in the midst of a crazy 2020 you guys have been really, really focused on still getting the cure out. And, and this past year, in the midst of a crazy year, we're a barely two-year-old church that was homeless for a few weeks and didn't have a place to meet. You guys didn't say, you know what, we're only a young church, so we're just going to kind of sit this one out. Like, you guys have gotten more involved in the middle of the pandemic, reaching more people. We've reached more people in the pandemic than we reached the first year when we didn't have a pandemic. Because of you. We've given more money to missions. We've given more money to organizations in our city. And, and, and I sit down with our leadership team and nobody told them that we're only two years old and they should take it easy. Nobody's told them that. And so we just keep dreaming about reaching people. And there's some things we're dreaming about right now, some opportunities that are going to be happening probably over the next year that are going to allow us to reach more people, and we're good with that. One of the things I've said this year is, hey, we're not going to hedge our bets. We're not going to, hey, let's step out a little and make sure God comes with us. No, we're going. We're going to step out because we know Jesus wants people to know him, and we're going after that. And we want you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be part of the movement. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus, then you probably get this better than we that are followers of Jesus. And here's what I mean. If someone really believes there's a God, there's a heaven, there's a hell, and there's an eternity, 
Even if you don't buy into Jesus, you'd say, hey, if somebody really buys into that, why wouldn't they give themselves to getting that message out? If you guys, if what you say is on the line is really on the line, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about Jesus? And so I want to encourage us this year, let's play our role. Let's not forget, because here's what we all need to know. We will never regret saying yes to God's call to use our gifts in his work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that you take our ashes, you take our past, you take our our bad days, our good days, and you invite us first to have a relationship with you. And if you're here this morning, whether you're watching online this evening or you're with us this morning and and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus wants a relationship with you. And he invites you. He, he, He gave his life for your sin and for my sin. He rose from the grave and he invites you into a relationship. And we here at our church, man, we want to be available to you. If you want to talk about taking that step about taking that step to start a relationship with Jesus, I want you to stop by the next steps table or come see one of us. Or if you're watching online, I want you to direct message us and we would love to set up a time to just talk to you about starting a relationship with Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, I'd encourage you to believe that God chose you and gifted you to be part of His work. And that the only way your life will be fulfilled if you're a follower of Jesus is by giving yourself to something bigger than yourself. So take a step. It might be literally writing on a card, hey, I want to join a group. Leaving it on your chair. It might be taking a step, joining a team. It might have nothing to do with this church, but it's just something God's laid on your heart and you just need to step out and do it. I encourage you to do it because you will never regret saying yes to Jesus. Lord, use us. Give us your vision. Give us your eyes. And God, I pray that you would use us to aggressively and lovingly get your cure out. In Jesus' name, amen.